Shomrabyog. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the tiny room. I am Michael of Michael Menjum's podcast, and I am joined by the man who has been called the Philip Coulson to my Nicholas Fury. It's it's Ben. Say hello, Ben. Coulson. Cool. Very good. Uh, Michael Menjum's podcast is Ireland's leading Agents of Shield fan uh, cast. No. And this, it, no, it is. No. And it, I think it might be. Actually, <laughs> might be the world's leading. <laughs> nobody, nobody likes Agents of Shield except me. Uh, and this week we'll be talking about things not related with Agents of Shield. Um, Benjamin, do you think that you should do the theme music? Probably time, isn't it? <gasps> theme music for the podcast. We don't actually have any theme music. For us, I don't want to name any names. Rachel, I hope it's Rachel. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Very good. <laughs> Benjamin. <laughs> <clears throat> so, episode 101. 101. We are sadly bereft of Dalmatians. Uh, yes, that would be... Oh, that'd be great. We should have gotten 101 Dalmatians for 101. Ben, um, we don't have room in here. So it is a tiny room. We could clear out some of the action figures. Ben, the listeners will have noticed that there was a little stinger at the start now because we are officially a Shomer Bug production. Yeah, we are. Oh, yes. This is our this is our first ever official Shomer Bug production. Yeah, so, so we have a new website. Yes, you can go check it out. It's very nice. Shomer. In fact, pause the podcast right here. No, yeah, do. Go yeah. take a seven-hour look. Actually, stop listening entirely and then come back and give us more clicks. Yeah, if you could just X out of your browser completely, <clears throat> reopen your browser, go back to the address, sign and start with, a fresh click. Sign in with a new username. Yes, that would be great. <laughs> ben, tell people what Shomerbyug means for the people who might not know what Shomerbyug means. <laughs> Shomerbyug is Gaelic for tiny room. Um, well, it's technically Gaelic for small room, small but room. we don't have a, a Gaelic word for tiny. Ah, uh, there is, but Bugalin. it's not, it's not as catchy. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't work the same. Show review. So um, it'll be our little production center because we do. We do a bunch of different things, including a brand new podcast that will be coming out this Wednesday. Ooh, how exciting. Shomrabyug.com, Ben, spell Shomrabyug for people who are not for Irish. For anyone that can't find it, it's S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G. Put a space between that A and that B and you get Shomrabyug. Yeah, but and not then, in the website address, Ben. And don't forget productions. No, there's no productions on the oh, website. Oh, never mind. Do forget productions. Shomrabyug.com, Ben. <laughs> Shomrabyug.com forward slash Michael Menjum's podcast. Anyway, Ben... Now that we've got our egos out of the way. So many plugs. Ben, some butt plugs, uh, wall plugs, uh, sink plugs. Yeah, I think they're just called plugs. Ben. Plug sockets. No. Uh, one of the Shamra Build productions will be plugs. The world of plugs. Plug it away. That's what it's going to be called. Plug it away. That's a good name. Yeah. Ben, <laughs> can we please get on with it? <laughs> the, ben, probably the biggest, most exciting. Well, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on because Endgame... Endgame is finally petering off. Very much so. Uh, it's, an old Peter. It's kind of 50-50 now if it's going to overtake Avatar. My money's on no. I, my money's on no as well, sadly. I would really love it was yes, though. Mm. God. I still don't know how I feel about that. I might go see it again. Just to try and... Just chip in. You could be the one that puts it over. I could be, Ben. Anyway, look, be quiet for a second. Uh, ben, as you know, there's going to be a Batman reboot. There is. Or is it a reboot? I think it's a full reboot. A who's, reboot. who's doing the reboot again? Uh, is it a Welsh Matt person? Reeves. Is he Welsh? Matt Reeves. I think he's American, but we can check that. He just sounds Welsh, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he might just sound Welsh. Um, but he's doing a full reboot 
Yes. Um, and he's been given full control of the script again. There was some humming and hawing when Mr. Affleck was still in the role. He mm. wanted to write his script. Matt Reeves took it away from him. He wasn't too jazzed about that. Yeah. Apparently there was a lot of tension. Mm. I blame Snack Schneider for all of it. Snack Schneider. Snack Schneider. He's like a bag of crisps. He's a bag of crisps. He's a real... Snack. Real snaky sh- son of a gun. Um... But yeah, so now we're going to get somebody new. Michael. Tell us, th- tell us who it is, Ben. It's going to be well. All all signs point to Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Oh, uh, nice. You've been sitting on that one. That was excellent. Oh, uh, thanks. That was absolutely excellent. Um, I yeah. stole I stole it from our friend Cron. Oh, was very good. Thank you, Cron. <laughs> um, look. I would love to jump on the, oh my God, that's ridiculous, but uh, history has proven me wrong many yeah, times. Yeah, and, um, Look, people are people are always acting in things. Yeah. And, you know, he's not really a sparkly vampire. There's no need to get upset that... He's also done several very good movies since sparkly vampire him. Yeah, he's yeah. A, he seems to be a decent enough actor. He's an indie darling. He's no Kristen Stewart. Also, yeah. an Englishman. Yes. Well, there is a history of casting... Oh no, that's James Bond. And... <laughs> If anyone can do a good job of American better than Americans, it's probably an Englishman because all our television shows have Englishmen playing Americans now. Idris Elba. Idris Elba. That's it. Hugh Laurie. <laughs> Hugh Laurie. Look, we're oh. gonna get we're gonna get a very deep Batman, I'd imagine. Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, good good friend of the podcast, not at all true. Uh, Boss Logic over on Instagram did a, a mock up of him as Bruce Wayne. Looked very good. Yeah, I like it. Looked very good. I think he's a good choice. And one of my second favorite responses was. Um, they want to do Batman Beyond with Robert Pattinson as Terry McGuinness and get Michael Keaton on for Old Man Bruce Wayne. They, I'm glad you brought up Michael Keaton, Ben, because remember back in the 80s... Michael Keats. You probably don't remember this, Ben. I wasn't alive in the but, 80s. But uh, when Michael Keaton was cast as Batman, the fans were pretty upset. Yeah, and now they can't get enough of him. Now they can't get enough of him, good even old, though he's far too small. Good old Mikey Keats. Yeah. Anyway. Nobody I'll, holds it against him. Look, I'm going to reserve judgment. I'm going to take a leaf from the, the Mick book of reacting to things, and I'm just going to be like, look... We'll see. We'll see. See how it goes. Because normally I, I tend to react a little strongly and I come off as a neckbeard. <laughs> it's episode 101, Michael. So we're going to try and... We're going to put a leash on my neckbeard. Okay, like in your bedroom activities. Uh, yeah, that's a leash on another part of me. But yeah, you get the idea. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Oh, neither do I. Anyway, yeah, look. Ben, Robert Pattinson, I think it'll be good. Give him a shot. Yeah. He obviously won't have the same haircut anyway. Well, I think it's his haircut that upsets people. He's going to get a bunch of fucking stuff done. Like, he's going to be hitting the gym like he's crazy. He's going to be hitting the gym. He's going to be a very buff man. I think, I always thought that a good choice for a young Batman back in the olden days would have been David Boreanaz. He would have been a great Batman. Uh, I don't know if he would now, though, because no, he's, he's not a, gone that way. He's but, a little past the prime. A, but a young Batman, I always thought he had the look, at least. Yeah, and Robert Pattinson shares some of that look. He's a serious man on a serious earth. Yeah, and he's got spiky hair. And in, in other fan service news for you from Batman, his two villains will be Penguin and Catwoman. Oh, good. We get to see a new Catwoman. Oh, who's it going to be? Uh, uh, we haven't decided that. That hasn't been rumoured yet. Oh, I hope Megan Good. I was just about to say, fingers crossed for Megan Good. <laughs> anyway. Fingers crossed for Megan Good. What are we talking about, Ben? Uh, next piece of news there on the list. There, now, look, this next thing we're talking about, Ben, it upsets me how some people pronounce this. I say watchmen. Like, it's two words, not watchmen. I don't say that. I say watchmen. I, you know, I know you do, and it upsets <laughs> me every time. But, Ben, the watchmen, they have a new trailer. The watchmen do have an, a new trailer. I'll try and do it your way, Mick. It's no, episode you, 101. No, do you, you do your it's way. It's time to bury the pronunciation hatchet. You do it your Cruel way, Ben. Cool, go the way of watchmen. 
my good lady friend says Coulson now and she doesn't know why she says Coulson <laughs> and it's really starting to tick me off because I have a very 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 viral voice um, very persuasive unfortunately um, yeah new trailer it, look this is something that no one can really bitch about because it's a continuation ah, ben, as the, opposed to the, the, internet, the internet would beg to differ <laughs> I think it looks good I think it looks very leftoversy. Oh, and and how we're going to approach the tone? It's very much a, a society gone awry kind of piece. By TikTok, the looks of the teaser. TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. It looks like Jeremy Irons is playing Oldie Mandius. Uh, yes, he does look very old and yeah. Mandius. Oh, because Aussie Mandius, old man, yeah. oldie man, yeah. old Gary, Gary, old man. Yeah, I didn't realize he was still alive. I thought he had died at the end of Watchmen for some reason. No, he doesn't. He remember he wins. Yeah, yeah, he wins. It looks like it's set. In he doesn't war. really win, is it? No, he does. No, because Rorschach sends off his little. Well, that's little I think journal. that seems to be the world that we live in. The that journal has come out, and people have discovered that Aldimandius yes. was a bit of a nail son of a bitch. Was a bit of a nail son of a bitch, and uh, it looks like it's going to be bereft of superhero them. Uh. I'm not sure based on the sentence we thought they were gone but they were just hiding. So I don't know if that is perhaps a hint at a future superhero. But I'd say you're probably looking at a world of legacy where people grew up with parents as superheroes. Mm. We may see the daughter of Silk Spectre and Owl Man appear. Old Man. Uh, yeah, well he'll be Old Man now, yes. Old L. The wise Old L. Oh, I thought you were saying L like a Dubliner says an L one. Yeah, like an L one. No, an L no, no. The L man, you know yourself. Um, wouldn't wouldn't Elfala be a great Irish superhero? He's a man who's L themed. <laughs> and everyone's like, sure, what would an Elfala do? What'd you do that for? Big into talents. Big into talents. Um, but yeah. Um, look, it was a teaser. We didn't get a whole bunch of it. It looks it has well Don, shot. It has Don Johnson. Don Johnson. He says an L TikTok TikTok. Yeah. Uh, he's Nash Bridges, famously. I don't know who Did you not watch Nash Bridges? No. Nash Bridges was a late 90s uh, cop show set in Miami, I think, with Cheech from Cheech and Chong. I thought it was Miami and Don Voice. Johnson. I thought Don Johnson was it, in Miami Voice. He was in Miami oh, Voice, good. but okay. then he was also in Don Johnson. No, Don Johnson is his real name. He was in Nash Bridges. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, look, there's not much we can say about it. All I know is that the, the reboot that DC did where we've been doing the Doomsday Clock with DC hasn't been nearly as successful as they hoped it was. Very delayed. Yeah. Um, very messy. You have to get them out there. Because merging merging the DC universe with the Watchmen universe was a terrible idea. Uh, sorry, that slight pause was brought to you by the fear that we had forgotten to plug in the computer there. <laughs> we did, though. <laughs> we did. It's and, um, yeah, look, it's... Watchmen. I like the fact that they don't two. have the proper Rorschach mask with this moving around things. They've just cut out eye holes because they're mass yeah, produced. Because they like didn't that. steal a fashion dress once and cut it into useful pieces. Did you could... Did you ever see friend of the podcast Jim's Rorschach costume? I didn't. It was amazing. We made it the day of Halloween Excellent. about eight years ago. He Jim is a classic guy for not wanting to go out for Halloween, and then the day of Halloween he'll go. Actually, I think I will go out. Someone Serious make me a costume. Yeah. And then we we spent the whole day making a costume. We made an incredible Agent Colton costume for him once. And I, I'll tell her Betsy that you don't mind at all because it's Jim, and then you like to help. Oh Jim, yeah, no, it's great. Jim's a great lad. But he always the we we went out for uh for Halloween, and he was Rorschach. And Jim is not the tallest man in the world. Like, like Rorschach. Yeah, Rorschach's so, not a big man. So he really got into character. He had the duster jacket on, the hat, the, the face mask. And we went out and we saw a group of people who were dressed up as Batman and Batman's villains oh, for good. Halloween. But store-bought costumes. Oh, not good. And Jim went up behind the Batman 
and <laughs> tapped him on the shoulder. That man was quite drunk and just a normal Irish guy having a few drinks on Halloween. In a Batman who'd, costume. Who'd bought a Batman costume. And Jim said, A real hero doesn't fraternize with villains. And the guy just went, What the crap is this? <laughs> what a Jim moment. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant. I'd be terrified. He, yeah, the guy was. He was really worried about... And I don't think he knew who Rorschach was. So there Probably was just didn't. This... Rorschach is not a big... You know, not a well-known, not a mass-known. Perhaps now... I think this happened just around the time when uh, when the film had come out. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I do look. think Jeffrey Dean Morgan to this day is still one of the best pieces of casting I've ever seen. He was For, a great comedian. Yeah, I I like that film, Ben. Yeah, I know a lot of people I, don't, but I I, do I like went it. to see that. Oddly enough, nobody I knew at the time wanted to see that film, and my dad decided he would take me i saw your dad yesterday man. you saw my dad yesterday you did and my dad decided he would take me he gave me a little because wave. nobody else uh will go see it with me from a friend group Aww. and um yeah he was just like come on we're going we'll go see it. and we'll that's go. why you have a podcast so we went to an evening show in view oh that's nice and then he bought me the special edition uh dvd of it when it came out and it's rorschach's face there's a silver and l man up there where's your rorschach I don't have a Rorschach. You should get one. I should get one. Rorschach is the coolest design. Yeah. I like yeah. I like Silk Spectre. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's another whole thing. Do you think Megan Good will play Silk Spectre's daughter? No, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> ben, speaking of a whole other thing, yeah. uh, the fans, Ben, they're up in bloody arms about the Game of Thrones. They're up in arms about everything, Michael. They are not, the fans, aren't they? The what fans, are they like? What, a bunch what of lads. are they like, the fans? Uh, not a great bunch of lads. Remake uh, Game of Thrones. Except our fans. Ben. Yeah. Who are... Yeah, they're a great bunch of lads. Um, no, there's been a petition, Michael, because... I don't think we have fans, Ben. We have listeners, but I think they are either begrudging or they are out to get us. I, yeah, they're just plotting and yeah. using this as yeah, like, yeah. little details. Yeah, yeah. Um, for now, for example, they now know I have a father. Yeah, um, so do I, because I wasn't sure, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but now I've seen him, he gave me a little wave. Gave you a little wave. Right, he didn't take me to the cinema. Game of uh, Thrones, Ben. <laughs> There's been another bloody petition, yeah, Michael, because fans seem to think... Uh, petitions fascinate me as a concept, right, Michael, because they're very ineffective when started on the internet and it feels like you're doing something, but you're actually doing nothing. That's why they exist, isn't it? Yeah, it's just to save people mm. that think they that want to contribute but don't actually want to do anything. I just write letters of complaint. Yes, very ineffectively, and then uh, I do not. your I write, lady friend forgets to deliver them. I write very effective letters of complaint, Ben. I get many free things from companies. Do you? Yeah. Shane and I have kind of mastered the art. Anyway, I've, I'm taking a lot of tangents this yeah. week. Let's, let's, just, let's just stick to the, to the script there. Um, yeah, there's another petition to reboot Game of Thrones. Yeah, no, just remake season eight. Was it not reboot from season seven? Well, that's exactly the same thing. Same thing as remake season eight. (laughs) Never mind. Um, So it's not going to happen. Michael HBO's done with with. Well, they're actually not. What's what's emerged is that the writers are done. Uh, HBO isn't. HBO offered them more time and money. Yeah. uh, To make a better series, and it turns out those two lads that love themselves very much um, may have turned them down on that. I think the two writers got sick of writing Game of Thrones. The double D's. Uh, yeah, what are their names? I, I never know. Dav- Davidoff, Cool Water, and something like that. Damon Lindelof? It's not Damon Dave, Lindelof. Dave, Dennis, Dennis Benedoff? The two lads that uh, pretty much have death threats out against them at this point, I'd say. Um, but yet, there's been a petition to reboot it. Um, and unfortunately, I think what gives people so much hope for these is that Lucifer survived thanks to a petition. That's a, um, that's a whole other prospect. But it didn't survive due to a David ben- petition. David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Thank you. 
Um, David Benioff is very similar to Damon Lindelof yes. in your defence. Yes, Those two things are very close. And equally smug. Um, yes, yes. Um, but I think that gave fans hope that petitions actually did something. But it doesn't. Netflix swooped in and bought that because they recognised that people would subscribe they, they to their service to watch what they do. Here's they don't actually care about fans. I read That's a not great, how television works. I read a great thing on Twitter, Ben, and unfortunately I've lost the name of the user who posted it. But he said that... No, that's fine. It looks all right. He said that um, the difference is between plotters and pantsers. George George Orr or Martin is a classic pantser. He writes shows from the seat of the pants of the characters. The characters react organically to the situations they find themselves in. Yeah, okay. And it means it's very easy to start things well and develop things well. But you end up with this sprawling epic and you'll never get it back to a satisfying conclusion. Just like the real world. Yeah, okay. Which is kind of George R. R. Martin's thing at this point. Exactly. Whereas D.B. Denisov and uh, Charlotte Copley are, (laughs) they're plotters. Yeah. They have plotted out an ending. And did it pretty badly. Well, no, I wouldn't necessarily say that. Or neither would the guy who said this on Twitter, whose idea I'm repeating. Uh, they've plotted out an ending, probably quite a good ending. But when you plot an ending, the characters become slaves to the plot. Whereas before, the the the, the plot had been slave to the characters. Uh. And it's not necessarily that that's the problem. It's the fact neither one of them is better or worse. It's just that it's changed. And that's what people don't like. And that's what people are kind of either consciously or subconsciously going, it's just a normal TV show now. Which and is fans what we, don't like change. Well, Shane and I said this, or was it us, that I it has it become was, a normal TV show now? I think that was you and Shane two weeks mm. ago. Yeah. Um, very good episode, by the way. Thanks. Um, yeah, look, you couldn't end it. They didn't have source material to go off anymore. But what I would, I, I think what probably hasn't helped is that many of the actors seem to be trying to spare their own careers now. Because Ah. many actors, as a result of this, have come out and said, well, I had arguments with the writers all the time. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I say this is because every time I go on the Reddit... Get um, off the Reddit. I have to to look at all the the bitching about Game of Thrones. Why is Tyrion Um, stupid now? Oh my God, there's so much bitching about Game of Thrones. Anyway, Ben, look, um, let's let's move on. Yeah. Lily Reinhardt, Ben, we found out this morning, is an actress from the Riverdales, I think. And she... No, I know, but she shares a lot in common with you. She said that fans should eat crow and stop trying to use petitions to change creatives' decisions. Well, that's how it works. You accept what you're given fiction-wise and you don't get a say, but the internet has fooled people into thinking they matter. Well, you see, that's what you and... That's an opinion you and Lily Reinhardt share. Is Lily Reinhardt... Which one? I don't know, Ben. I don't know. We found out from a lady about this, she told us. But Ben, she has been rounded on by the fans. Oh, feck off. Leave her alone. <laughs> ben, speaking of the internet Go turning on. evil. Uh, it's always of, been evil. Black Mirror is coming out. Yeah. That was a good segue. Yeah. Not as good, good as my one last week about the short women. That was excellent. Thought, that was probably my best segue ever. That was ever. probably your best segue ever. Fitting for the 100th episode. Yeah, Black Mirror, Ben. It, it's back. It's back. Back in the back, 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 back. With lonely people, lonely feelings. Yeah, great song. Three episodes only, one of those things. No, I'm very okay with that. Mm. Three strong episodes, I will take. Yeah, 
take us back to the old school yeah. season one vibe. Yeah, I'll, Miley, I'll have that. Miley Cyrus is in one. Miley Cyrus. Presumably about the perils of pop stardom. Fame. Yeah, we've had that before. But we'll have it again. We'll have it again. Um, looks like the eye tech from season one is back. The, the technology where you can spin back your mind and your I, eyeballs. I'm not too concerned, Ben, about the the continuity between Black Mirrors. I, uh, no, like, it doesn't matter. It's just... I've never watched a Black Mirror and said I would love to see another Black Mirror in that universe. Yeah, well, I think that's the point, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, Aren't it? You know, it's, Wouldn't it be? Sure. sure. Um, yeah, it's going to be back. It's Can't be good. It? We, we know what to expect from Black Mirror at this point. Um, what fascinates me about Black Mirror now is the amount of copycats that are just springing up. Uh, oh, good segue. Because uh, that sounded unplanned, but you actually talked about this with me before. Yeah, um, there's copycats springing up everywhere. What's it called? Year by Year. What's that about? Year by Year. Emma Thompson uh, stars in this one. Emma Thompson, noted actress Emma Thompson. Emma Roberts. No, not Emma Roberts. Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. Oh. Much older than Emma Roberts. Oh. Um, anyway, it's about populism. Emma Stone. Um, it's about populism. It seems that Channel 4 has created their own uh, kind of Donald Trump oh. uh, stand-in in Emma Thompson. She starts out as a reality TV star and she slowly garners popularity over years and years. Even though um, she's a woman. The, for the outrageous things she says. Hmm. Um, and she later runs the country and it becomes a strange dystopia. Oh, um, like if... Um, Katie Hopkins became president of England. Exactly. Exactly the same. Um, it's a little bit like the... I can never remember the name of the blue bear from uh, the Black Mirror episode. Bolo? Bolo? Remember the, the animated bear that becomes a government icon? Are you just going to let me... I don't think I've seen that episode. You haven't seen that one? I'm aware of it. With the animated I... bear? Oh, it's a great episode. Um, really good. I very, don't think I've seen that one. Very telling. You should go I back thought and I'd have seen all of them. No, but then... you obviously haven't seen that one. I can't remember I, I his name. I might have seen it, Ben, and it just didn't stick. Um, I Bobo? can't remember his name. It's very similar to that, though, in concept. Um, but it looks like each episode will be a, a time jump. Okay. So we grow up with a family... Um, and we see the different stages of their life as their society changes around them. Um, and this is very much taking its tone from a very dystopian Brexit, which is pretty much what Brexit is anyway. Mm. But um, yeah, overall, it, it's, it looks to be a, a grim look at what would happen if you actually gave in to the demands of all the xenophobic Brexit folk. Oh. Um, there was a Maleficent 2 Mistress of Evil trailer as well. Did you see that? Um, I could not care less. Yeah, I don't really care either. I could not care less. Now she's evil again. For some reason. Waldo? Waldo, that's it. I haven't seen that. Waldo, great episode. Very yeah, I uncomfortable. I haven't seen that. I must watch that. Very discomforting. Um, I don't care much about Maleficent 2, to be honest. No, neither, I, nor do I. I couldn't. It's a Disney cash grab. Look, just leave, leave them to it. They're ben, just, Disney are... Uh, they're a they were always a cash grab, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Avengers Endgame is a Disney cash grab. And that's my favourite film of all time. Is it? Uh, probably. Oh. You know, the bit where he goes, Avengers! Assemble. And then they're all there and they go, ah, um, boy. Anyway, look, we saw John Wick. <laughs> it's good. What are you Do doing? I have to keep doing a podcast with you now? Yeah. What's that? Is that me going, ah? Ah. Okay. Ben, come on, talk about John Wick 3. Mick has only just learned how to read the, uh, <laughs> the audiograph on the podcast, episode 101. Um, John Wick is wickedly good. Oh, very Michael, good. I'm yeah. keeping it. I said it earlier. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Um, Fucking great film. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Two ben. thumbs up from Ben. Two thumbs up the butt. Two thumbs up the butt <laughs> from and Ben. A wink. <laughs> ben, um, we went to see it surprisingly late. I think oh. the most important thing we learned is don't book a film at quarter past ten because it won't start till flipping eleven. <laughs> and then you're 
fucking stuck in the cinema till 10 to 1 in the 10 morning. 10 to 1 in the morning. Um, which is just terrible. Watching a man kick other men in the head. Just worth it. it. Ben, let's talk about, is it good? The answer, yes. The answer is, is definitely yes. I think John Wick might be my favourite action trilogy now. Um, I think it's a perfectly positioned trilogy in terms of we had that very ironic phase of doing action movies for action's sake. For mm-hmm. example, the Expendables, yeah. your Transporters, where you kind of leaned into the even a little bit. You're Fast and Furious, yeah, where you just lean in. Yeah. You just you just go, yeah, it's not a real movie. It's a Fast and Furious movie, or it's not a real movie. It's an Expendables, and Keanu Reeves and the gang at John Wick People do, keep asking do exactly me that. Um, do exactly that it just leans in and it just works so well but there's no element of parody in it no it's very serious it plays yeah. very leans in yeah. there's no parody whatsoever there's no kitschness there's no like, it's just great there is a certain amount of humour but, but the humour is generated from the absurdity of the situations that they are in and the politeness afforded to people in those situations I thought it was quite funny mild spoilers Ben because it is John Wick and you know what's going to happen anyway he's going to fight everyone and kill them all yeah because he's John Wick there's a Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga. There's um people keep asking me if I'm back. And I haven't really had an answer. <laughs> but yeah. I'm thinking I'm back. Very good. Um what were we saying there? The, there's a great scene where he's throwing knives at people. Oh, that scene made me laugh myself silly. Such a strong opening. Mm. We were, we were sitting with good friend of the podcast Shane. And, and I was weren't we with Jim as well? Jim was there as well, but I was I was there for I was there for Shane's reaction yeah. and Shane was the most invested of the four of us well that's I think, true for this that's film that's why he did the John Wick episode and I was so happy on behalf of Shane that it delivered so much it really did so well the comedy of throwing the knives at each other so rapidly some of them missing which is so rare in a very uh, realistic though very realistic some of them just bouncing off yeah, getting handle first he, yeah exactly yeah, also the amount of knives required to actually stop the they man in, from moving they were in a knife shop <laughs> but that was highly realistic as well that was one of my favourite things New York seems like I love you You and Shane mentioned world building before everyone's and assassins everyone's assassins but it's also the way they portray New York New York is this big ancient place full of secrets yeah. it's, it's a whole new look but still kind York. of neo-noir as well exactly but you go down a side alley in Chinatown and you find yourself in an old antiques warehouse full, full of, of assassins and knives and, and assassins weapons. Yeah. Um, it's, it's pretty great the way it portrays New York is, is great it was very good it wasn't flawless there's no film that's flawless Michael. no except Avengers Endgame that's completely untrue Guardians of the Galaxy 1 oh that's, that's very actually good. a very strong argument uh, Ronan's not the best villain ever doesn't need to be. Yeah, well, that's still a flaw. Anyway, um, it's not entirely flawless, Ben. I could have done without the North African mysticism. Yes, that did that's it, did somewhat grind your gears a little. I, I would agree. It's completely against the tone of the film. Mm. I think the whole... What makes John Wick so effective is that other people speak about him as if he were a myth. That's a cue, that's a cue borrowed from Batman, generally. Mm. Yeah. But what makes him very effective, and I think what makes him so entertaining, is that he's just a man. Um, an ordinary things, man one of the things I love about the John Wick series is he gets that shit kicked out of him mm, he gets quite injured and there's very often pauses and stops where he just has to deal with this gaping wound in the side of him although injuries in the world of John Wick are much less serious than real world, world injuries yes for example when he gets stabbed straight through the shoulder he gets stabbed through the shoulder gets it stitched and then is fine it's grand that's not how injuries work he, well, he takes medication that gives him energy I've been hurt before 
it's, you don't just carry on. Don't talk about it. Right. Yeah, emotionally. I mean, but not physically. <laughs> um, yeah, I could have done without the the one above all on the high table being a, a North Doesn't North African mystic in a tent with camels. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, didn't didn't like that. And Ben, we were right. The Halle Berry was a weakness. Um, yeah, she her, wasn't the best part of it. Her action scenes were fine. She, she very good action. Yeah, very and the action. dogs were great. The dogs were the best part. Braun from Game of Thrones is surprisingly in it. Why he had to be some bizarre Italian? Man. I think Italian French monstrosity. I think he was Italian. He was just Italian mixed with brawn. Yeah, why not just make him English? No, he was brawn. Yeah, he was but Italian. Why couldn't you just leave him as Jerome Flynn? Yeah, from Soldier Soldier. Yeah, I would have watched that. Yeah. I didn't need the weird Italian. I do a better Italian accent than that. You do a better Italian accent than that. Yeah, everybody does. That was rough around the edges yeah, from from Jerome Flynn there. Um, but look, he got a paycheck. He's happy. Yeah. Did you, Ben? Did you like um, the the denouement? You have to help me there. Sorry. I'm the sure. ending. Um, I actually didn't. The ending. Did really. The ending. Uh, right. Mega spoilers for John Wick three. John Wick spoilers. Uh, from, here we go. From this point on, there's going to be a John Wick four. Yeah. Because it looks to have made its money. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, it's had a very good, very successful yeah uh, opening weekend. Um, so it looks to have made its money so we will be getting John Wick 4 hooray. more than likely which is a hooray in some ways maybe Megan Good will be in it perhaps we Probably do need not. a replacement for Halle Berry could be Halle Berry's daughter we come back and find Halle Berry's daughter many years later I'm concerned that uh, Keanu Reeves is starting to get a bit old and chubby there were scenes from a from a downward angle on occasion I was like oh Keanu yeah now like he had spent the guts of a 24 hours fighting his way across the world so it made sense that he was a bit tired but he was he missed a few throws oh, did I he? don't know if you noticed that and I the, wouldn't the, the stuntmen were quite accommodating of him doing okay. it wrong and going anyway and I didn't see that in one and two well he might tighten up for four possibly um, look I'm looking forward to four because I'm a huge fan of the John Wick movies. Don't mess with Lance Reddick. Um, don't mess with Lance Reddick. No, he'll mess you up. His accent got stronger and stronger. As the movie <laughs> I know. That was great. In the beginning, he was British. In the end, yeah. I had no idea what he was saying. Yeah, it was. It was very <laughs> intense. Um, Do you think that was on purpose? I think it's because he has to become more. Um, I think the veneer of civility kind of drops as the, the yeah. two men go along, mm. because even John Wick starts to talk more. Mm. Um, in number three. John, I think John Wick probably had more dialogue in this film than he had in the previous two. Um, well, he had to talk to Halle Berry. Yeah, but that's you see, it kind of ruins him. Yeah. It, it, once you once you start to peel back the veneers, look, it's a great movie. I'm not I'm not going to detract from it in any way. Number four is going to be great, but I would have liked them to wrap it up on a trilogy. Ah. I don't see any reason for number four. Money, Ben. Money, yeah, but that's that's the reason. I and don't he has want. to he has to take down the high table. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see that though. Because I could, I could have done as well without the the intimidating administrator. She was dope. Yeah. Um. Just because she was a poorly written character. Um. She's just sneery, smug. Yeah. But smug. That's, that's largely John Wick is. It works on stereotypes and surface level characterization. It's it's not about. It's about kicking a man in the head and then putting a knife in the way and kicking the knife into his head. I think generally, I completely agree with you. By the way, it is. It is pushing stereotypes I do think it's an understated stereotype from most characters and I, I think, don't know Ben I think she went far too over the top yeah okay she I was mean, pure smug pu- also um, very much a stock character counter assassin was great uh, whose name I cannot remember I think I've only read Japanese it Japanese ninja man I think his name was Zero 
Zero. Yeah, that was the credit name given yeah. to him. And his name is... Oh, I had it. Ken Watanabe. It's not Ken Watanabe. Um, Japan's most famous export. Anyway, doesn't matter. His counter-assassin is great. Yeah, he was very good. Fanboy, complete fanboy. Yeah. Um, very well played. Very well played. I enjoyed that. A good um, film. I didn't notice the missed throws. I should pay more attention next time. Mm. It was a good film, though. I enjoyed it. John Wick 3. Go check it out. Mm. Yeah. Also, soundtrack is unreal. Don't Tyler even, Bates. Didn't even hear it. Knocking it out of the park. Didn't even hear it, Ben. Tyler Bates. Ben, uh, transition us there into the next thing. Tyler B. Um, so a little bit earlier we talked He's about... He's kind of a master of music. <laughs> what What is... Ah, okay, we're just moving on to our, our main topic for the day. We talked a little bit earlier about Watchmen. We did. A little bit earlier about Watchmen. And we're going to come back to the idea of Watchmen. All right. Um, because today we're going yes. to be talking about the British invasion into comics. Oh. Yeah. The British invasion. Go on then. Into comics. Um, yeah, so basically... Uh, there's a bit of a distinction between the older era of comics and the modern era of comics. That that is the golden age. The line is yeah between the golden age and the next age. I would say we're currently living in the golden age of comics, as you have said before, Michael. Yeah, I think I came and up with that. And idea. I would be inclined to agree with mm-hmm. you. Um, but the modern age of comics has kind of been benchmarked at around 1986. Okay, 1986 is kind of the defined age for that. Um, and it coincides rather rather well with a host of British authors um, and creators. A horde, if you a will. A horde, if mm. you will. A bunch of invading Huns. Yes. Uh, that aren't Huns. Um, but they all headed over to America A. And they that began America. to write for the big companies over there. And Did they, they went over in the 80s. They, yeah, the 80s. So it would have started with in, in 1982. I think the, the the kind of first example of a very strong piece is V for Vendetta by Alan Moore. I've read that, Ben. I don't like it. I, I don't... Yeah, I would have to agree with you. Very wordy. Very very verbose. Mm. Unnecessary. A little like myself. But generally speaking, I think what marks it out is it was a complete departure from the light and airy tone that a lot of comics have had previous mm. to that and it paved the way for this much darker form of comics this much more satirical much more uh, visceral form of comic book art even even the yeah sorry much more visceral form of comics even the art um, was a much darker more serious affair than what they had seen previously and it kind of pushed that and that was Mr. Alan Moore was that because though it was in black and white uh, no, you're thinking of From Hell am I thinking of From Hell is V from Dead not in black and white no V from Dead has colour does it? Yes, it does. Red. Uh, a lot of red. A lot of red. Does V from Dead have colour? Almost certainly. Maybe I read it. At, I maybe. think you might have read from Hell. I, d- I have read from Hell as well, but maybe I read V from... V from oh, that's hard to maybe say. Maybe I'm wrong. No, maybe you're right. Maybe. You, keep, you keep spinning your wheels okay, there. Okay, I'm going to keep spinning my wheels. So, anyway, prior to this kind of British invasion, and it is called a British invasion, which is a quite a sensitive topic for us here yeah, in this tiny little... Yeah, 1169, Ben. It's a little, little, little uncomfortable. Brits, Brits out. <laughs> Because I, I originally sent Michael a text during the week saying, British invasion for Sunday? And, and he was I, like, oh, not again. Not again, Ben. <laughs> 800 years. <laughs> 800 years. Um, that. So that was that was humorous. And then... Um, <laughs> Thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. We take a look at... Um, take a look at this but what it is is kind of the maturing of comics i suppose the watershed moment for comics in general the british creators that we're talking about are still big names today most um, of them alan moore uh warren ellis neil gaiman grant morrison these are all very big names um and i suppose the reason that they had such a strong influence on american comics is that they came from the 2000 ad school of writing and storytelling um, which was a much more adult and serious affair. And um, Karen, oh, I'm never going to remember her name. Don't know, Ben. 
Karen from Vertigo, Karen, main director or editor of Vertigo at Don't the time. Know. I'm going to have to look it up. Um, but she was looking for brand new talent to launch the Vertigo label good and proper. And she found all these British lads who started to make some serious, serious works. Um, some of the biggest ones to come out of it were Watchmen. Karen Berger. Karen Berger. Uh, Berger, Berger, whatever. Um, she was in charge of the L Vertigo. And um, she brought these guys over and gave them pretty much free reign. Um, on the projects they wanted to do mm. and under these British guys a lot of old titles for example Swamp Thing etc were saved from cancellation um, and rebooted and, and given fresh life and fresh blood um, and other series became genre twisting and defining series like Sandman I think Sandman is probably still one of the greatest comic books of all time and it was written by Neil Gaiman as part of that British invasion. Then we've never actually, despite being a comic book, well, we're, we're not really only a pop book, despite being a pop culture podcast that has lasted more than 100 episodes. Surprisingly. We've, surprisingly. We've never actually talked about Watchmen. Yeah, because everybody else has. Ah. Um, I think I think the reason we stay away from Watchmen is it's done. It's, it's done to death. I think, I suppose that's Alan Moore's greatest achievement. When I went to university... Oh, um, thinly veiled when I went to university no, brag there. When I went to university to study English literature. Yes. Um, Classically trained as you are. only comic book that they would allow to be studied was Watchmen. Really? Um, yeah, they were the only one that felt approached a literary level, which I think is ridiculous. Um, going back and re- reading Watchmen, it's it's very interesting. It's very... Thing- but it's very pastiche now. Well, of course it's something it is, we've ben. seen a million times. You um, could say the same of Shakespeare. You could say the same as Shakespeare, absolutely. This is the problem, you see. Alan Moore kind of defined this new way of approaching comics, um, very deconstruction-y, very real-world affect kind of thing, where we look at the actual consequences of what a superhero would actually do to a society. And, you know, we, we don't need to do that. Bear, bearing in mind, Ben, that I know you might not have the answer for this off the top of your head, was Watchmen the first deconstruction of comic books was it the first um i'm gonna write a comic book about comic books comic book it was the first good one. Oh, um or w- rather what i mean to say by that is it was the first one that was a serious deconstruction there have been ma- there had been many parodies and satires mm-hmm. of the comic book genre for years and years and years mad magazine being a huge one mm-hmm. um that would frequently target comics but i mean mad magazine doesn't parts. have plots or <laughs> no fair enough uh, but I guess there there had been attempts. British comics did it quite often. Mm. Um, there were a couple of ones where you'd look at the real world ramifications of a, a superhero. But I think because he went to America, because he lined himself up with a huge American superhero company, it got the recognition based on the label. Um, furthermore, I think Dave Gibbons was essential to the oh, success of Watchmen. Oh, Davey G. Yeah. I think Dave Given gets overlooked far too much for his contribution to Watchmen. Everyone says Alan Moore. Without Dave Given's art, no one would take it seriously. He was the only man that could render that level of detail and serious real world. only man, you say? Well, not the only man, but he was the only man for the job at the time. And he did a bloody great job. Alan Davis. Was he around then? Isn't he a comedian? Yeah, Alan Davis is a comedian. (laughs) Who am I thinking of? I don't know. The guy, the English guy, the English artist. He inspired Brian Hitch. Oh, he did Excalibur. Oh, I know who you're talking about, but I don't know his name. Yeah, okay. Um, that's one I definitely couldn't get off the top of my head. But anyway, that was the first serious attempt um, at deconstruction. And now it's been done a million times. I, I don't think other comics would exist. Garth Ennis would be a later version of the British Invasion. 
and I don't think his successful <laughs> Scarth Ennis call himself British. I I think he's right. Re- I think he's lobbed into that. Uh, sorry, Garth Ennis is from Northern Ireland, which is where the sensitivity towards that. <laughs> he's Alan Davis. But um, oh, it is Alan Davis. Yeah. Okay, not just a comedian. No, different person. What I was going to say was sorry to to apologise to friend of the podcast Garth Ennis, who's out there sitting on the window now, scratching to get in and take oh, my yeah. eyes out because I misattributed him. Still at it. Um, so I'm not sure, but Garth Ennis, I don't know if he identifies as British. He might not, but he's lumped in with the British invasion when it comes to um, that era in, in when comics. Did, when did Preacher come out? Preacher was in the 90s. So a bit later. A bit later. Um, as I said, 1986 would have been the, the real watershed moment. That would have been when Watchmen came out. Right. Um, and it's recognised as the turning point into modern, post-modern comic books. Um and yeah, we saw that again and again. The Boys is a, a great version. I suppose that's really Mad Magazine meets Alan Moore when you look at The Boys. Um, soon to be an Amazon series, which yeah. I will not watch because oh, really? they, Wee Huey is not Scottish. You're going to not watch. You're going to not watch it for that reason. Well, he's the comic relief in the thing, and it's funny because he's Scottish. Yeah, but now it he's makes American. a lot more. From from a from a point of view, isn't it? it uh, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, bloody Carl Urban. Carl Urban is the butcher. Oh, is he? Uh, he's Butcher, um, which would be interesting to watch. But again, I think he's American. I think right. they've removed all the different ethnicities. ethnicities. And the reason I take issue with the Scottish one, from a, from a purely realistic point of view, in terms of worldview, mm-hmm. if you grew up in an America covered in superheroes, yeah. you would be far, like, far more likely to be indoctrinated into that way of thinking and be less skeptical of it. Whereas a Scotsman... <laughs> who encounters these lads in big garish suits every once in a while, is far more likely to be critical of that kind of thing, based purely on worldview. Ah, Ben. What? We'll see. Well, we'll see. It's grand. Yeah, we'll watch it. I, I will episode. end up watching it. Yeah. At least the first episode. But it just... I, I also try and distance myself from the boys, because I have the whole collection at home, which mm-hmm. will soon be given away. Because it's not very good. I didn't like it. I found it very mean-spirited. Uh, very mean-spirited. And, and I only uh, realised that after you told me. Is Garth Ennis, did he write that? That's him. Garth Ennis has a tendency to like to include a character who is um, an order of magnitude above all the other characters in terms of dangerousness. Yeah, he likes uh, an overpowered. He does. He yeah. had in, in when he wrote The Authority, he introduced that hitman guy. What's his name? I think it's Hitman. Is it Hitman? Yeah. And he was like, he could kill anyone. He could kill a Superman level character. Yeah, yeah. Super Whoever easy. he wanted, whenever he wanted. Yeah. yeah. He, right. he was kind of all powerful. In 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 what in Preacher, he had the Saint of Killers. Yeah, it's completely unbeatable. Um, it's a good in, plot device. It's just a lazy one. And then in that, he has the woman. Is that the one who's? Uh, yeah, she's kind of the essentially unbeatable. Essentially, but the the real one is the the big guy, the 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 main villain, the. I Superman, his name. Superman, he's, he's Superman. He's yeah, he's blonde, but he's just Superman, um, and he's unbeatable. He's he's the top of the. Oh, is he? Yeah. How does how does the boys end, Ben? Spoiler uh, for this series. Do they get end. him? So uh, it's a bit topsy turvy. It turns out that it turns out they're pedos. Butchers. Every 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 hero that exists is either a pedophile, a rapist, or a serial abuser in some form. Right. There is not a single good superhero on the planet. Um, and that is the tact of the boys. The boys uh, fully looks at that because it's corporate. Everything mm-hmm. is privatized in Garth Ennis's America in this universe. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that 
Um, as a result of that, they all have too much time, money, and power. So they all become um, raping pedophiles. Yeah, raping pedophiles. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Okay. Taken to a very uh, over over overzealous. It's very unpleasant. Basically, Butcher, the main the main leader of the boys, um, he hates heroes, and nobody knows why. But it turns out, as the series goes on, his wife was raped by a superhero. Okay. Bore his child. Right. The child killed her because he was superpowered in the womb. Spot, yeah, classic. And that child grew into the leader of the, oh. the Super Six. Oh. Um, so he hates him. What a twist. Um, it ends with... Uh, Butcher figuring out, out a way to, to kill him in the bloodiest of fashions I can imagine um, and he then gives himself up he ha- he has to be executed by aren't they part of the do. CIA they are the CIA they're a CIA uh, kill squad that's what they okay. do that's what they do but everyone is horrendously immoral yeah. nobody is likeable that's the best thing yeah it's just nobody awful nobody is likeable everything is awful um, but yeah it just put me off also they did that thing where they kept switching artists which always drives me Not mad. Not a big fan of that. Not a big fan of that. Derek Robertson did a pretty good job uh, of this kind of gritty world. Talking and, to Mike Pence. And then we... Uh, sorry. And then we uh, transitioned into kind of more quicker artists, shall we say. Oh. Um, people who could get the deadline done a little oh. bit faster. Oh, no. Um, yeah, which is never never what you want, really. Ben, we can't talk about the British invasion of comic books without bringing up Marvel Man. Miracle Man. Miracle Man. Yeah, talk Alan about Moore's that for Miracle a bit there. Man. Neil, um, Neil Gaiman's Miracle Man? Is it Neil Gaiman? It, it's hard to tell. I, I think know. he owns it now, doesn't he? Does he? I don't know what the current legal status is. You tell sure. us about, a bit about it and I'll um, look up what the current legal so status Miracle is. So Miracle Man is a kind of a... He was a DC character from many, 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 many... Is he Marvel or DC? Neither. Yeah, okay. So he was kind of... He was an old, out-of-copyright character, basically. Alan Moore slash... Neil Gaiman got his hands on him. He was originally a... Home, I'm reading this on Wikipedia. Go ahead. Originally a homegrown substitute for the American character Captain Marvel. Okay. And then re- rebooted in the 80s by Alan Moore That's and it. Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Oh, it's by both. Well, Alan Moore first, then Neil Gaiman. Okay. Well, he's a hyper-powered being. Um, it's just weird absurdism. It's surrealism. I, I think, you know, your your Grant Morrisons are, are usually lauded for this, but... Um, British, the British invasion does weird like nobody else. Um, they they really embraced oddity and absurdity and monstrosity. And I think Miracle Man is probably the pinnacle of that in that it embraces all these concepts that American comics never would have touched prior to that. Mm. Body horror, cosmic horror. Teleporting a pipe into a man. Teleporting a pipe into a man. Yeah. Oh, that's not where a pipe should be. Let no. me help you with that. Oh, crimey pipes. Oh, crimey pipes. Um, yeah, it's... Look, you can see that in everything that they do. Grant Morrison's most famous DC uh, one was Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on a Serious Earth. Um, he teamed up with Dave McKean, a noted British illustrator at the time. Still today, sorry, not at the time. And they created this bizarre, twisted version of Arkham Asylum from the villain's point of view. And it was very unusual. Great comic, but not the Batman that people had come to expect. Robert Pattinson. Um, Robert Pattinson, yeah. Um, He made this strange, twisting, shifting version of Arkham Asylum that was almost a living Mm. thing that Batman had to traverse and... He kind of, again, in a unique way, Arkham Asylum had always been a very clean sanitary facility in the 
um, in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, padded cells, very comfortable, blah, blah. This was far more kind of people left in cells to rot. What we think of Arkham Asylum now. Yeah, exactly. He kind of reshaped the way we look at Arkham Asylum. But um, he would have scarecrows quoting poetry and jokers who had riddles for Batman and philosophical questions that's, to that's pose That's the riddle then you're thinking of. <laughs> well, not in Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum. But I think the British invasion treats the reader as if they can keep up with this. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of American authors prior to that had kind of treated them as if everything needed to be explained and laid out. Whereas British lads were like, nah, they'd be grand. Let's, did you ever let's take an odd thing and, and do that. Did you ever read The Monarchy? No. No. The monarchy was a follow-up to the authority. I wouldn't go calling the monarchy an authority now. Just yeah, very good. Settle down there. Um, the monarchy, it was, uh, but I think it was written by an American. Okay. Um, Dossel Young. Yeah, American. And it was a real obvious, here's an American writing a follow-up to a British thing. Yeah, it just doesn't match. And they, it, it really didn't match. They it don't was, line up. It like, was quite odd. It was it was an unpleasant reading experience. There's a British way of looking at the world mm -hmm. that clashes very much with the American way of looking at the world. Um, I think I, I was watching an interview with, with we Granty M. Granty M. And he made the distinction of... Then did when, he jizz into a magic sign? When you... <laughs> <laughs> sigil magic oh bless um, that's how we made it to 100 episodes I made it now sigil oh no, it, oh, no where kidding. is it <laughs> where'd you put it um, it does smell a bit in here but I, I think the way the way I would look at it is when an American sees a pipe put through a man yeah he goes oh cool <laughs> when a British guy sees it he goes oh that's interesting oh, um, and that's the big difference is is it's the question of why would you give that much power to someone mm -hmm. versus, oh, wouldn't it be cool if... Right. And it's it's not cool. It's, oh, that has serious consequences. Sentry is probably as close to a British creation as American yeah. comics come. Yeah, he's very... Yeah, actually, that's a good... That's a great example of an American attempt at British-style British uh, oh, postmodernism. Thanks, Ben. In comics. Appreciate that's it. very good. The idea of that Jesus. he was forgotten and his powers. Just, just Where's thought of it there. Just thought of it there. Just thought of it oh. there. Don't, don't call me a saucy minx, Ben. You know it turns me on. <laughs> um, Fuck. It, yeah, it, don't it's, touch the my back. Of, it's the kind of closest. <laughs> it's the closest that uh, I think an American comic has come to that British feeling. Yeah, it's great. Ben, when I was uh, when I was growing up as a comic book reader, you weren't allowed not read Alan Moore comics. Yeah, it was kind of the thing. I suppose you, you kind of had to. Um, some of them have not kind of stuck around in the zeitgeist as much as I thought they would. For example? Top 10. Top 10 didn't stick at all. I know. It's on every list I could find before the 1990s and did not last the test of time yeah. because it seemed like a rehashed Watchmen. It seemed like he'd done it before. Um, but he gave them proper powers this time. Everyone had powers. Everyone had powers. That it was, was the universe literally everyone had powers. But it was just Watchmen. It was, it was so dense and fun. It was... Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't remember if it was good or not, but it... I don't think it was good. It just reminds me that it, you kind of had to read Top 10 if you were a comic book fan in the late 90s. You see, I think comics have, have gone to another level again where we're, we're allowed to do a lot more with them, mainly down to those original British authors who changed the way it's done. But mm. a lot of those authors haven't changed. For example, Alan Moore is still obsessed with rape. Yeah. 
which makes any of his new stuff quite uncomfortable and to read. The sexual adventures of young girls. Um, and what I find uncomfortable when you meet an older generation of comic book fan is that they tell you he's still the best. And you're there going, I don't know if a woman being repeatedly raped by a giant fish monster based on a H.B. Lovecraft tale is great. You said H.B. Lovecraft there. Did I? Yeah, like the, the ice, ice cream, cream merchant. Yeah. <laughs> Horror ice cream specialist. Yeah, uh, uh, frozen tentacles. Oh, oh, fuck. Yeah, the Neonomicon. But, I kind of like the Neonomicon, but yeah, it did get a bit rapey. Very rapey. We've um, talked about that before. But some people who have adapted to that in a perfect way and seem to consistently adapt is Neil Gaiman. He just... Give the man well, a comic. Neil Gaiman is a very family-friendly writer. Not always. Like, he has his dark moments. Sandman would have had moments there that were uncomfortable, but he never had to rely on rape to push the element of horror mm. that he wanted to do. Insanity was far more his shtick, where you could be left to a... Horrible and cruel punishment. For example, when Morpheus locks away the woman who spurned his advances. Yeah, that he served her right, didn't it? But he doesn't rape her. No, well, he wouldn't. Whereas the way Alan Moore would look at that is... I don't well, think Alan... Ta- I don't take th- what he wants. I then. don't think Alan Moore would have done uh, a lead char- a heroic character. I don't think he could have. Because he was scorned. I don't think he knows how to write... Character. <laughs> I don't think Alan Moore knows how to write. A heroic Crowley, character. A heroic character. Tom Her- Strong. That's a parody. It's not a parody. It is. It's yeah, a parody it's a... of all the British colonial novels like H. Ryder yeah, but Haggard. he's still a good guy. He's still he? the hero. Is he? Or is yeah. he an arrogant asshat that inspired Rick and Morty? He has a little backpack. Ah, get out of here. <laughs> he's got a little backpack. I have a little he... backpack. You call me a real son of a bitch. <laughs> he's a little backpack and he's always flying around <laughs> shooting at people and stuff. Anyway. And um, stone. I, I would hold Neil Gaiman up at the top of that pinnacle. You game. wouldn't hold Neil. You have very little upper body strength. That's true. <laughs> Although Neil, Neil Gaiman is kind of wayfish. Yeah, he's, he's wayfish. So you might. I can, imagine you, I can imagine you doing a time of our lives lift with Neil Gaiman. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, Neil, if you're listening, and we know you are. Yeah. Mom, tiny room, weight lift. No, we won't do it in here. I've he held. Neil Gaiman would not Neil fit. Of my life. Very good, yeah. He wouldn't fit lengthways. And I've never lifted him before. Yeah, anyway, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, um, what did you think of the British invasion? Did you grow up during the British invasion? If you did, you're quite old. Yeah. Uh, 1916 happened. We won. Well, you won. It wasn't me. I wasn't alive. You weren't alive? No. I was. Uh, Because I'm an immortal (laughs) time-traveling rebel. Yeah. <laughs> Wrap it up there, man. <laughs> anyway, guys, um, do you have a favorite member of this kind of British change of things? Have you read much stuff? Um, we didn't cover much from Grant Morrison there because we've done episodes. We've done a whole Morrison episode before. on Grant, so there's no point in us going back and doing it again. We'll probably do a whole episode on Warren Ellis. We should some probably stage. do now Warren Ellis. If you'd like to learn more about Warren Ellis, you can listen to our new podcast oh, yeah. this Wednesday, Collecting Issues, where we discuss um, his work with Irish artist Declan Shalvey and colorist Jordi Belair. Mm. Um, check it out on. Um, Wednesday you have been warned pick up your copy beforehand because we will be discussing it and you can get in touch with us now on our brand new Facebook group for collecting issues collecting issues yeah discuss all the tropes and stuff I'm so excited Michael tropes tropes themes galore themes it's going to be great Nietzsche and El Nietzsche young Um, if you fancy giving us reviews for our current podcast we always always love iTunes reviews iTunes reviews are are the the quickest way for us to get spread around no other rating system matters quite as much as iTunes for some reason Um, I don't know if Spotify has one it doesn't Um, so we need it for that so if you want to go over give us an L review you would actually be doing us a huge favour if you don't feel like doing that that's fine Uh, we're also on 
uh, Instagram, we're on Spotify, we're on YouTube, and you can get in touch with us at the Facebook or the Instagram, yeah. whenever you or feel Or Gmail, like. we've got Michael Benjamin's podcast. Or you can email us if you're really old school, and we now have our new website, Yeah. Um, where you can get in touch with us as well. That's all from us this week. Bye. Bye.